Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Um, so we're learning in the series, Church on Fire. We're learning how to be a long-lasting and impactful church. A church that is set on fire by the spirit and power of God to do the will of God. And in the last few weeks, we were introduced to Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul the Apostle. Saul would, at one point, persecute the church, but he was saved by the grace of God, and now he's going to be used by God in a major way. And so this brings us now to Acts chapter 13 and 14, where Paul and his buddy Barnabas begin their missionary work to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. Now, if you remember last time, the gospel has just opened up to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, do you guys know what Gentiles are? Non-Jews, great answer. Gentile, it's like, it's basically like summarizing people like this. There's people in this room and then the people not in this room. So like there's like a hundred of us or whatever in this room and then everybody else not in this room kind of thing. So it's like Jews and Gentiles. It's like Jews, it's the people of Israel, Hebrews, and then the Gentile, everybody else. So the gospel initially went to the Jew, to the Jew first. It was in Israel. Jesus' followers were all Hebrews. Like it went to the Jews first. And then it opened up to the Gospels, or excuse me, to the Gentiles, and that just happened in the, in the previous chapters. Now, Paul and Barnabas are the first ones to sort of take that um, sort of open door and it make it their now life's mission, that they're going to take the Gospel to the Gentiles. And if you remember, Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, and the elders of the church prayed for them and sent them out to take the Gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul will go on Four different what we call missionary journeys. Um, Antioch is their home base, so they'll leave from Antioch. They'll travel around to different uh, cities and countries, and then they'll return back to Antioch. And they'll do this four times each time, sort of spreading wider and going farther and farther. So he'll go on four different missionary journeys. Um, He'll be on a few different teams as he goes, Paul and Barnabas, and then we'll meet Paul and his buddy Silas and Timothy. And he'll go all over the world. In this time, he'll preach the gospel to all sorts of people from the poor um, and sick to kings. Um, He'll be received in certain places. He'll be rejected in certain places. He will be imprisoned. People will try and kill him. And he will also write much of the New Testament during these missionary journeys. So in the different seasons where Paul was in prison or he was stuck at home um, being under house arrest or things like that, Paul would write what we have as the Bible. And so this section of the Bible is our primary connection um, to the rest of the New Testament. Because after the book of Acts, we go into Romans. If you've been with us on Sunday morning, we've been going through Romans. And that is a letter written by Paul to a church in Rome that he planted on one of his missionary journeys. And then there's the the letter to the Corinthians. There's the letter to the uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All of these are letters written to churches that he planted on one of these four missionary journeys. Does that make sense? So these journeys are really important for us as we begin to look at them. So we're going to look at Paul's first missionary journey. It covers chapter 13 and 14. He goes from Antioch um, to Cyprus, which Cyprus was Barnabas' hometown. It was an island called Cyprus. So they went from Antioch to Cyprus, and then they went to a, a different Antioch, not the same Antioch, but Antioch in Pisidia. Then they went to a place called Iconium, then Lystra, then Derby, and then they went back through the same place back to Antioch. So they kind of went like this, and then they went like this. Well, they actually, they went like, they went like this, 
And then they went like that. Does that make sense? Kind of. So they went from Antioch, they went all the way up here, and then they went back through those same places. So we're going to look at just one of those stories, and I've titled this message, Do It for the Lord. Do It for the Lord. We're going to be in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. It says this, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, which is their language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. All right, pause for just a moment. So Paul and Barnabas are there. They're preaching the gospel. And a guy that has been crippled his whole life is listening, and they can tell he's, like, really engaged. You know what I mean? Like when I'm up here speaking, I can tell when people are really engaged and when people are not really engaged. It's, re- it, like, it's easy. Like one of the ways I know people are not really engaged is like when they're doing this. You know that move? Like I can totally tell. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I get confused because like you're taking notes on your phone, and, but it's this face that gives it away. Anyways. Um, so, so he's really engaged. The, the guy's listening. And so Paul, he notices it. He noticed that he's sick, and he says, hey, stand up right now. And God does this miracle in this man's life, and he's never walked before, and he stands up. And then all of a sudden, the people in the town are like, what in the world? This guy, he's been crippled his whole life, and now he's standing up. And they're like, it's Zeus. Like, he's here. And I love, I feel like it happens so quickly. All of a sudden, the priest runs out with, like, an ox, and he's like, let's sacrifice to these guys. Like, where did you come from? Like, he just had that thing ready, and it's, like, just so happened to be, like, the Zeus temple is right there. And they, like, run. I just picture it, like, really comical. Like, he's like, all right, wait, let's do it. And they're like, wait, hold on, time out. And they begin to try to worship Paul and Barnabas. They think they're gods that have come down to men because of this miracle that God has performed. And then they're like, whoa, 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 you're, you're confused. You're missing the point. We actually have brought you a message of the living God. We bring you a message not of Zeus or Hermes or any of these other false gods that you worship. We bring you a message of the living God, and that's how this thing has happened. And so in this moment, these people respond, and they're beginning to worship them. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. But then notice how quickly the scene changes. Verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Okay, so, like, we rewind, and they're like, the gods are here. Let's kill this cow and worship them. This is amazing. And then 
like that. All of a sudden, it's like, no, they're not gods. They're like, all right. They pick up their rocks, and they throw rocks at Paul until they think he's dead. And it's like, whoa, what a dramatic switch. And then we're told, verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Okay, so following again. Heals a man. Well, preaches the gospel, heals a man. The crowd's like, oh, my gosh, you guys are gods. Let's, let's kill this cow and worship you. And like, we're not gods, we're just normal people. And they're like, you're just normal people, you say. So they pick up rocks, they throw them at Paul until they think he's dead, and then they leave. And the apostles are like, <laughs> you know, it's like that, that scene in a movie where, like, everybody's, like, they come to, and, like, there's, like, all those eyes looking at him. They're, like, looking at him, and Paul's like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> and he gets up, and he goes right back into the city. And then the next morning, they go on to the next town, and they continue to preach the gospel. <clears throat> now, before um, TikTok and before Instagram, ready for this transition? You're like, what just happened? Um, before TikTok and before Instagram, uh, there was an app called Vine. Do you guys remember Vine? You guys only have heard about Vine. You, probably most of you did not have Vine. In fact, I, I went on, I was, trying, I was like, I wonder if I could find my old Vines. And Vine, like you go on Vine's website and it's like, we are shut down. It's like, go to Twitter instead. And you're like, oh, that's really sad. Um, and I remember, like, I remember before even, before TikTok and Instagram Reels and before Instagram even had videos, that was when Vine was a thing. Because I remember when Instagram introduced videos and all of us, like, deleted Vine off our phone. We're like, well. Actually, that's not true. I hung on for a little while. I'm like, I'm not using Instagram videos. I'm like that guy, still like making vines, and they're like, yeah, this is pointless. Um, anyways, there, there's some, some famous vines that you guys probably remember. Um, one of the funny ones is LeBron, LeBron James. You guys remember that one? LeBron James, like that's a great one. Um, an iconic one that gets mentioned all the time is the 21, that one. <laughs> that one's amazing. But then one very famous one was do it for the vine. Do you guys remember that one? Do it for the vine, and it's that little girl, and she's like, do it for the vine. And she's like, no. She's like, do it for the vine. No, and then she's like, do it for the vine, like that, and the girl starts dancing. Um, anyway, so that became, that phrase, you guys are like, why is he talking about this? So that phrase, like, do it for the vine, became basically you could get your friends to do just about anything if it was for the vine. Like, just about, do, do it for the vine. Like, okay, fine. I'll do it. Let's do it. So that is, the, the reason I bring that up is because the, what's happening in the story is you have the, the, the inconsistencies and the, the problem when you're living your life doing it for the people. See, what happens is, is in this story, you see Paul and Barnabas, at one point, the people around them are trying to worship them like gods, and then a minute later, it seems like, a sentence later, they're trying to kill them with rocks. Worship them and then try to kill them. What happens? Well, this is the reality of living your life in attempt to please people or for the approval of people. Because people, they, they change their minds. They, they, they one, At one moment, they like it. At the next moment, they've rejected it. And, and this is sort of what's happening in this story. And so what we see here and the question that we have to ask ourselves is what then is the motivation behind what we do? What is the motivation behind what we do? 
This text we just read shows us the importance of living for the approval of God and making him our motivation and the danger of living for the approval of people. This dramatic, this story is dramatic, but we see then the danger of living in an attempt to please people. Because one, you can't please everybody. You have to understand, like, you cannot please everybody. If you don't believe me, ask any sound guy at a church. Like, especially in the main sanctuary, if you've ever, like, gone into the main sanctuary, it's either it's too loud, it's too quiet, it's too much drums, there's not enough drums. Like, every, like literally, you name it, the sound, the sound guy has heard it. Because you can't please everybody. Everybody has different preference, different style, different, like, that's loud, that's not loud. You know what I'm saying? And that is, that is just sort of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the reality of attempting to please people. And then secondly, you can't please people because people's opinions change. Or sometimes we change our whole identity in order to fit in with this group. And then the next thing we know, they're not into that anymore. I'm like, wait a second. I just, I just went shopping. I changed my whole wardrobe. I like have different interests now to hang out with you. And now we don't like that anymore? Because people's opinions change. And whether it's from worshiping to wanting to kill or just liking and then not liking, we've all experienced this in some way. And so the, the charge for us is to live for the Lord. To live our life, our motivation is then to live for the approval of God. So how do we do that? A couple things from this text that I want us to see. Number one, how we live for God is we live for God by attempting to spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. We see that Paul and Barnabas' primary mission was to share the message of Jesus wherever they went. If you look back at verse 7, it says this, And they continued to preach the gospel. That their goal was to preach the gospel. The gospel, it means good news. It simply is the message that all people can have relationship with God and forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus. That's the gospel. It, the God, that word gospel, like we throw it around all the time, but the gospel, it just means good news. And the good news we're talking about is that all people, no matter where you come from or what you've done, where you've been or, or, or anything, that you can have relationship with God and forgiveness of sins simply by faith in Jesus. And they took that message anywhere and everywhere. They were fulfilling what Jesus commanded for them to do. They're fulfilling that on a macro level in the sense of Jesus' great commission. We've heard this, Jesus' great commission. It's in Mark uh, chapter 16. It's also in the book of Matthew. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. That's the great Jesus. Like that was his sort of his, he didn't, I mean, he died and then he rose again and then he didn't die again and he ascended. So his like ascending wish was that we would go into the world and we would tell people the good news, the message of hope and forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. Also, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we looked at it. He says that you shall receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon me or upon you, and you will be a witness everywhere you go to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, go preach the gospel and go in the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas, they're fulfilling the Great Commission on a macro level, right? Jesus commanded it and they did it. But they're also fulfilling God's personal will for their life on the micro level. 
If you go back, we looked at it last week, that they were in the church in Antioch. And all of a sudden, they, they, they be, the people in the church began to sense that God wanted to send out Paul and Barnabas. And so they gathered around, they prayed for Paul and Barnabas, and then they sent them out. They said, okay, God wants you to go tell the Gentiles about Jesus. And they're like, all right, well, we don't really know where we're going to go. We, we don't know how we're going to do it. We've got no plans, but we're, we're going to do it. In fact, I love that we, I've mentioned it, that the first place that they went to was Cyprus. That was Barnabas' hometown. I'm sure as they like, remember, I, I can imagine like a church service. They're like, Paul and Barnabas, like his missionaries, first missionaries out of the church of Antioch. And everyone's like, yeah. And they're like, they're, they're going to preach the message to the Gentiles. They're like, the Gentiles, yeah. And then they send them out. They pray for them. Like the band's like still like, like yeah. And then they walk out the door and they're like, um, where should we go? Like, the world is kind of big. And maybe Barnabas was like, well, man, I got a cousin back home. He doesn't know Jesus. Maybe we should go tell him. All right, let's go to Cyprus. They jumped on a boat. They sailed to the island of Cyprus, and they told people about Jesus. And they're like, now where? I don't know. We don't want to go back where we came from. Let's just keep going that way. They are, they, they're fulfilling the Great Commission on the macro level, but then specifically what God asked them to do. Let me tell you, how do you live for the approval of God? You, you spread the gospel. You fulfill God's will for your life on the macro level, what he's told us to do, and then on the micro level, what he's told you to do. What has God told you to do? Well, what are some of the things in your life? Maybe it's things that need to go. Maybe it's things that need to change. Maybe it's things that need to start. There's something in your life that God has told you that he wants you to do. And now you've got to respond and say, okay, I am going to walk out in the will of God. And we live for God when we attempt to fulfill his will for our lives. The second thing we need to do in order to live for the approval of God is we need to serve people. Serve people. I like this story because these guys get in trouble when they heal a paralyzed man. Now, healing was not their primary mission. They weren't like circus performers going from town to town and making crippled people stand up. Like, that wasn't their goal. In fact, while they were there, they were preaching the gospel. But then Paul, in this moment, he recognizes a need. He, he, he recognizes that this man is sick, and he feels that God wants to use him to fulfill this man's need. And so he says, he looks at him, and I love that idea. Of he, I mean, looking at somebody, and, and it says he looked intently at him. It's almost like he, he tuned out of everything else and, and paid attention to this one person's needs. And I think sometimes that in and of itself is, is difficult for us to do. That in and of itself, like, put our phone down, like, press pause on the music, and just, like, zero in on one person. And it says he looks intently at him, and then he does this miracle, or God does this miracle through him. And this happened for this guy because he was listening, and Paul took notice of his needs. Paul noticed the needs of others. We so often miss the needs of others because we're focused on what we're doing or we're concerned with our own problems or we're too busy to think about others. But listen, the primary way we serve God and live for him is by serving others. 
Jesus modeled that for us in Mark chapter 10. He said this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says that the Son of God did not come here to be served. You think if anybody had a right to be served, it was like God in flesh, right? Like him to just be wait, like, I'm God, come wait on me. And everyone's like bringing him grapes and like fanning him and like washing his feet. All these, I guess, things that people would do for a king. None of that. In fact, the opposite. Jesus constantly, he talked about how he had nowhere to sleep. He said that, he says, foxes bury themselves in the hole in the ground to sleep. And I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. Jesus, in fact, washes his disciples' feet. And Jesus would say in an interesting passage, he says, if you, if you serve the least of these, if you serve people that are overlooked, the people that are neglected, he says, when you serve people like that, you're actually serving me. And one of the primary ways we serve God and we live for the approval of God is by serving others. How can I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I see the needs of somebody else for one? And how can I meet those needs? Maybe God's given you an experience that would allow for you to comfort somebody else in their need. Maybe you're like, I don't have money. I don't have the ability to drive them around. I can't do any of that. But I know what it's like to have your parents get divorced. And so I can comfort my friend who's going through that. Like, I, I, I've never, I don't, have, I don't have this to give somebody, but I know what it's like to have a friend, like, betray me and, and not want to hang out with me anymore. And so I'm going to go over to this person who I know is experiencing something similar, and I'm going to offer that to them. And when we can serve others, we are actually serving God. One of the ways we live for the approval of God is by serving others. And then the third thing I want us to see is that we got to stand against wrong. In order, in order to live for God... To do it for God, everything, everything that we do for him, we've got to be willing to share the gospel. We've got to be willing to serve others, but then we also have to stand against wrong. When people began to worship Paul and Barnabas, they quickly attempted to shut it down. They knew this was wrong, even if it meant they'd be turned on. Right? I think, like, I mean, at first they could have pled the, like, we don't speak that language. Like, ah, oh, whatever, it's just, yeah, it's fine. We don't know how to communicate to them to not do that. Or, or probably, I mean, like they're human like you and me. There probably was a little bit of sense of them like, I mean, we are pretty cool. Like, why not? Like, what? okay, let's think about it like this. They, Paul and Barnabas are about to experience for the next, until they die, Right? Hardship and difficulty and, and being sort of nomadic and going from prison to prison to town they don't know to town they don't know and, and, and experience a pretty difficult life in order to promote the message of Jesus. And, and not that they know it's coming and I'm just sort of dramatizing the situation for a point right now. But, man, maybe part of them was like, dude, we could settle down here. Zeus and Aramis, it works for me. We just live as royalty in this. Man, forget, forget traveling around and sharing the gospel. Forget that. Like, let's just settle down here and be gods. Like, so, I mean, I just wonder, like, there's sometimes where when our pride and our ego, ego sort of shows up, it could convince us to do pretty weird stuff. And, and so in this moment, they could have very easily been like, all right, it works for me. That's good enough. 
But instead, they, they stand against it and they say, no, 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 you guys are so confused and lost. We, we, we are not gods. We are servants of God. And who you actually want to know is Jesus. They weren't going to let people get away with doing what is wrong. Listen, we live for God when we know his word and we stand up for what his word teaches. Our culture has no real standards, and that's why things change so quickly. The word of God is our standard. We know God through what he's revealed to us about himself through his word, and that is our navigation for right and wrong. And so we as followers of Jesus, not only are we called to spread the, the hope that people can have relationship with Jesus, and not only are we supposed to serve and love people, but we're also supposed to stand for something. We're supposed to stand for something, and the word of God gives us guideline and navigation and direction. And when culture is constantly introducing new ideas and saying, you have to think this way, and five years from now you have to think this way, but then five years ago you had to think this way, as we continue to navigate all of the craziness that is life, we have the word of God as an anchor point, and we say, actually, for thousands of years, this is what the church has believed, and this is what the people have taught, and so I'm going to stand on the word of God, because as everything else is shaky and confusing, the word of God is our stability in life and so we have to be willing let me tell you follower of Jesus you have to be willing to have difficult and awkward and confronting conversations in life when you realize that the word of God and the culture that we live on are radically opposed to one another that's just the that's just if it wasn't the case everybody would walk with Jesus and life would be really easy but the reality is, is our flesh and our world and our culture says one thing and the word of God says, actually, we're called to something different. And so when we believe in Jesus and we're saying, I'm accepting you for who you are, we actually believe his word and we're saying, God, this is who you've revealed to us about yourself and we're going to trust that even when it's difficult. And we've got to be willing to stand against what is wrong and stand up for what the Bible believes and teaches is right. That's difficult. In fact, I mean, when you see the results of when Paul and Barnabas did it, right? Was everybody like, oh, thanks for telling us. We were just confused. Oh, come over to my house for dinner. That's great news. We love you, Paul and Barnabas. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. What do they do? They're like, this rock seems pretty good. And they throw it at him until he's dead. Or they think he's dead. Right? So that's kind of the response when they stand up for what's right. But that's what we're called to. All right, worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm done. Paul and Barnabas, in this story, not only show us how to live for the approval of God, I think they also teach us why we should do it. And the why is simple. Okay, the why we should live for God is simple. Because God's opinion never changes about you. That's the why. Right, the what or the how is, hey, God wants you to serve him. God wants you to spread his gospel. God wants you uh, uh, to stand for what's right. But, but why? Why do we do that? Well, what we need to understand is God's opinion will never, ever change about you. People, people's opinions change about you all the time, right? We know that. We know like one week they're like, Every, everything's great. The next week you're like, that person's acting really weird. What did I do? I don't know. 
They don't know what you did. They're just like, I'm just going to, we're just going to be weird now. And you're like, did I do something? And you're like, I, yeah, I guess. And you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. Anybody else live like that? I live like that. I'm like, what the heck happened? Everything was fine, and now it's not. All right. Anyways. People just change. Life changes. Circumstance changes. People come and go. Listen to me. God's opinion doesn't change. God doesn't look at you one day and be like, oh, I'm so proud of you, and then look at you the next day and be like, what a failure. God's opinion never changes about you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He sees you. He's there for you. He wants to equip you. He wants to give you everything that you need. In fact, he wants to bless you. He wants to have his favor on your life. And, and it's, not, it's not circumstantial and it's not behavior driven. God's not standing up there watching you with like a red pen. And he's like, um, X, X. And then at the end of your life, you're like, ah, oh, you got a 47 on this test. Oh, you got an 82. That was pretty good. No, God's favor. God loves you. God is for you and his opinion doesn't change about you. Why do we live for the approval of God? Well, because, because we already have it. God's given it to us. He's, he, he's proud of you. He's for you. He's with you. And so from that, from that reality that God loves us and he's not going to leave us or forsake us, from that reality we go, okay, God, I want to serve you. Okay, God, I want to tell others about you. Okay, God, I'm going to stand for what's right. Okay, God, I want to be on your team because, God, you are already for me. Can I tell you tonight God loves you? God's for you. God is with you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to live this perfect life and to die on a cross for my sake. A cross that I should have been on. Where I should have, I, I should pay the penalty for my sin. Because they're great. Because I mess up. And I say things I shouldn't say, and I respond to things I shouldn't respond to, and I, I, I act like a jerk, and, and I mess up. And I deserve it. Like at the end of my life, if God were to be like, dude, you blew it. You do not belong in heaven. And I'd be like, you are 100% right. I get it. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus is like, you blew it, man. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, hey, I got you. I'll take it from here. You just trust me. You just walk with me. You just believe in me. You just keep coming back to me. If you fall, I'll be here to get you back up. You just keep moving in the direction I want you to move in because Jesus did it all. He paid it all. He conquered it all so that we could have life and we could have victory and we could have hope and we could have freedom in him. And all we have to do is believe on him. Let's pray together.